Ladies and gentlemen, this is your time to grow, give, and expand. I'm your host, Doug Myers. Let's get started. Welcome to another edition of the Grow, Give, Expand podcast. I'm your host, Doug Myers, and on this episode, I am speaking with Alan Kahn. Alan has a very unique way of describing what it is that he does, but as a typical label, Alan would be considered an executive coach, a leadership coach, or business consultant. As a former landmark forum leader with over 30 years of workshop leading experience and over 35 years of working with, coaching, and consulting high-performing individuals and businesses, Alan has the gift of asking thought-provoking questions that get to the heart of what matters in people's lives. Alan holds a Bachelor in Science from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Social Inquiry. He has postgraduate training and expertise in strategic design, business management, and practical philosophy. He is also a trained individual and group counselor. And while Alan has deep expertise in business, he is also passionate about serving international nonprofits. He gets great joy from helping them realize their missions and elevating the culture of the organization. Alan and I discuss a number of topics in this show. Moving from understanding the way the mind works and how important it is to set and stay aligned with an intention of our desire. Understanding our default modes and what the result of Alan setting an intention and understanding his default modes led to in terms of results in his own life. We then move into conversations about how to be an effective coach. Alan talks about some of the tactics, the tools, and the approaches that he uses to help create breakthroughs with his clients. Topics include how to elegantly disrupt the patterns and identify blind spots of your clients, as well as quantifying your value as a coach or consultant. The three ways that Alan suggests determining how and what to ask for in terms of compensation. We then move into some conversations around relationships, both with others and with yourself. We talk about Alan's six keys to a fulfilling life and why quiet time to listen inwards is vital for personal and professional growth. In the context of relationships with others, defining what works personally for us based on the way we are designed and principles for being a good partner, as well as how to have a conversation with a partner about choosing to improve the quality of your relationship. Sprinkled throughout these different topics, Alan shares some of the things that he's up to currently and how at the age of 69, he stays curious about life and learning at an age where a lot of people are starting to slow down and winding back the gears. He shares with us his principle of refiring as opposed to retiring and how doing things that expand you are the key to staying vibrant. Alan lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife of 40 plus years, and I am incredibly grateful that he was able to take the time to come on the show and share his thoughts, experiences, and knowledge with each of you. Let's grow, give, and expand with this episode's guest, Alan Kahn. Alan Kahn, welcome to the Grow, Give, Expand podcast. How are you doing today? I'm really good, Doug. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's always good to see you and and good to hear you as well. 
Absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm always excited when I do the show. I'm very passionate about this, as I'm, as I'm sure you can tell. And uh, specifically for you, because you've just got such a wealth of knowledge. You've got this great energy about you. You're probably more energetic than, than uh, most kids a third of your age. And uh, I really want uh, to allow people to hear your story, allow you a platform to, to share your wisdom and uh, continue to elevate the work that you're doing in the world. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So for the people who don't know you or who haven't been uh, blessed to hear you speak or know what you're about, um, you have a very unique way of introducing what it is that you do. So I'm going to just open the floor and allow you to uh, explain uh, who you are and what it is that you do. That's great. So uh, I'm Alan Kahn. I'm, I'm a man. <laughs> I, I, li- I, I, I live in Portland, Oregon. Uh, been married uh, for 40 years to the same woman, have two kids, two grandkids. And what I've uh, been doing, I think for the last 35, 40 years, I think the best way to say it is I'm a status quo disruptor and an evolutionary accelerator. Other people might call that being a coach or a consultant or a trainer or an advisor, or a mentor, or a designer of programs. Uh, Those are the other labels for that. But what's driving me is to have people identify their vision for themselves or for their company, and then fulfill it, Mm -hmm. period. And so for you, and you know, we will the big intent behind this is to actually dig in uh, into a lot of that. You have uh, a very unique way of, of going about it. And uh, you and I have, have had the pleasure of working together. And in fact, the podcast itself, and I was very happy to share with you when we, when we got started, is a manifestation of the intention that you helped me create. And I'm yeah. incredibly grateful for it. Thank um, you. And, and uh, you know, I want to... Uh, if, if it's okay with you, I'd love it if you were able to share uh, yeah. a little bit about what you mean, and specifically for you, it's about intention. So yeah, what does good. that mean? Yeah. So, you, you know, for everyone who's listening and or watching, you know, I'm, I'm holding up uh, an iPhone. Uh, the folks who invented this iPhone had at least one intention which preceded them coming up with the design, the plan, and then implementing it, implementing and coming up with the product. The, the folks who uh, built my Prius, you know, again, there's an intention that was that they're fulfilling and the fulfillment of that intention is a Prius off the assembly line. The folks who build BMWs, have a different intention, which is why a BMW is a different product than a Prius. You know, the fo- probably the intention of the folks who designed the Prius are come up with a, a middle-priced car, middle-range car that will appeal to uh, ecology-minded folks that will get them from point A to point B and will be relatively sl- safe and not cost too much to repair. That's a completely different set of concerns uh, and intentions for the folks who build a BMW. 
I mean, it used to be their tagline is the ultimate driving experience. If you've ever been in a Prius, it is not the ultimate driving <laughs> experience, but it does fulfill an intention. So that's by way of saying it's uh, my, uh, my view is that everything that's created is created to fulfill an intention. So if you want to live an extraordinary life, a life that you created, a life that you designed, a life that you uh, can't wait to live, you better have an intention for that life. Otherwise, you'll have a default intention, you know, to look good, to be better than the next person, to stay out of trouble, to be smarter than everybody, whatever those default intentions might be. So when I'm working with people in a coaching environment, it's always about what's your what's the intention you're fulfilling with your life. And I coach people to look at it from the perspective that we're part of humanity. So the intention is going to be what's the outcome that you're out to fulfill for humanity. We don't exist independent of humanity. There's no such thing as a solitary human being. There's human beings. So we're all part of this whole called humanity. And as you know, you know, my mission, my calling, my originating intent is that all hearts are full and all beings are enlightened. And Doug, forgive me, I work with a lot of people. What, what's your calling? What's your intention? My calling and intention is that all people are growing, giving, and expanding. Beautiful. And at every moment, you and I can look to see, are we fulfilling that intention? Or are we fulfilling some other intention? Proving how smart we are, uh, 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 not letting other people control us, whatever they might be. So what I found is one of the aspects of having an extraordinary fulfilling life is to have an overarching intention that you're holding yourself to account for fulfilling, for living true to, for being an expression of throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Now, before we dive a little bit deeper into that, I'd, I'd like to maybe unwind, unwind the, uh, the tape a little bit just for you personally. So, sure. because as a coach and for anybody who advises or, or gives people coaching in some sort of facet is always that they, of course, have done and practiced what it is that they're preaching. And I know that you have had default modes in the past. So, I'm curious to know perhaps what your default modes were beforehand oh, and what happened once you created that intention for yourself. Okay, good. So the, the default modes are still there. So, you know, if we look at it from a neuroscience perspective, and I'm not a neuroscientist, so, uh, but with a broad stroke, our, any behavioral pattern that we have, all that really is is a set of neurons that are linked together in our brain. They're a neural pathway. It, there's a stimulus and then a bunch of neurons fire, and then we act like a jerk. 
okay, or, or, or we act like a giving person, but it's all, there's neurons firing. So you can't get rid of neural pathways in, in any healthy fashion, but you can always create new neural pathways. Even at the age of 90, you can create new neural pathways. Even if you have Alzheimer's or dementia, you can still create new neural pathways by thinking in a new way or taking a new action. And the way you turn that pathway then into a more habitual way of being is repetition. So, you know, this is my default mode. You know, I don't, if people aren't on camera, they can't see what I'm holding up. But the name that I gave it when I distinguished it years ago is the loophole finder and the righteous judge. So by default, I'm always judging everybody. And I'm not just judging them. I'm, I have the right judgments. <laughs> I know what every, if everybody would just listen to me, the world would be so much better. And it probably so I, would. <laughs> perhaps, uh, perhaps, but I, 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 I'm not so sure. So I called myself the righteous judge and then the loophole finder. I'm always, always by default looking for a shortcut, an easy way out. Oh, the rules don't apply to me. You know, I'm special. I'm different. I can get away with this. For a long time, I had a T-shirt that my son made for me when he was in high school, and it had a picture of Bob Dylan on the front and on the back. Uh, it said, to live outside the law, you must be honest. Mm. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm the guy who thinks the rules don't apply to him by default, by default. And, you know, I got a certain amount of success with that strategy. But I knew, A, I wasn't completely fulfilled. B, I sensed I was always pulling the wool over people's eyes. I was somewhat of a fraud. C, I was concerned people would find out, you know, what was behind the curtain. Uh, and D, it was never enough. So I went, this default strategy as much success as it's gotten me, I've got to replace it with something that's more consistent with reality. Again, reality being I'm part of humanity. I didn't, don't exist independent of humanity. So what's the role I'm going to play as part of humanity? What's the contribution I'm going to give back uh, as you know, one of the ways I talk about it sometimes is imagine you and I and everyone listening to this was invited to a party. And there's 7 billion people at the party. And it's happening right now. And pretend we were invited because of what we're going to bring to the party, not what we're going to get from the party. And what we're going to bring to the party is our calling, our mission, our vision, our intention. And then the name of the game becomes after that is how reliable can you get for expressing that calling? I've told you the game I'm playing is to be reliable for expressing it 24-7, even in my dreams. Now, I don't know if that's possible and I certainly haven't hit it yet, 
But what I notice is that as time goes by, I get more and more reliable at that. Mm-hmm. So did you find that in creating that intention for yourself, that the work that you were doing, the way that you were showing up in the world with others, your relationships, the quality of life that you were living, it changed, it shifted, and it became more enjoyable, more fulfilling, more enlightening. Did Can you, uh, I mean, dig into that a little bit? I, I know that the answer is yes, but I'd, I'd love to hear it from, from the you horse know, himself. Yeah, yeah, you know, the folks who knew me uh, 10 years ago, uh, they can still see similarities, but what they report is their experience of being with me is radically different. It's not like I went from, we'll use horse, it's not like I went from a fish to a horse, but, 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 but I, I certainly went from being an arrogant, self-centered uh, human being, uh, typical male, thought I knew better, uh, someone who finishes people's sentences for them because I'm so smart. I know what they're going to say. I don't have to wait to hear it. Uh, looking for shortcuts. Uh, and I think what they might have put on my tombstone 10 years ago, if I would have died, is died with potential intact. To take a a line from a a streetcar named Desire, could have been a contender. (laughs) Uh, The folks who I interact with, people who interact with me now are inspired. Uh, Inspired to be their best self, less focused on uh, uh, me. You know, I I heard a a saying many years ago, it's better to be interested than interesting. And I I think folks would say, wow, he's a lot more interested in what I have to say. And he listens a whole lot better. Sometimes he still cuts me off and finishes my sentence for, for me. But I get inspired when I'm around him. I get inspired to be my best self. And I can agree with that. I mean, in, in knowing you for, gosh, probably been, it's only been a few months, but, uh, you know, your, your presence and your impact on my life is 100% inspiring. And, you know, it's, and, it's great to look up to that. Spent all of, and we spent all of three hours together, maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that somebody can have that level of impact and that level of inspiration on another person's life speaks volumes to who that person is, right? And so, I, 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 go ahead. I, I, I like, what, I'm cutting you off just for a second because I want to correct. I'd, more, I'd rather say who that person has developed themselves to be. Mm, good. Yeah. Because yeah. this is not genetic. Uh, and this is, this is, I am a product of the work I've done on myself and the work others have done on me and with me mm-hmm. and for me. Right. Awesome. Yeah. 
I'd like to bring that full circle for the Good. listeners because again, because um, you know the I would say that the the audience um, that I'm looking to to help and impact on this is people who are in similar situations who are starting to ask themselves the questions and yeah. starting to wonder how can I be of impact? How can I be of service? How can I live in an interdependent reality when I've mastered being an independent person? And yes. What Alan is a is a testament to is what it looks like when you start to ask those questions and develop and do the work on yourself and leave behind that old person that you were in order yeah. to take on who you can be. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, you, you. you looked like you were going to jump in and say something. No, there. no, no. I, I was I was listening keenly, and then I was thinking, is there a question in there? And they went, no, no question. <laughs> so, so, uh, Not yet. So therefore, nothing to say. Awesome. So you you actually brought it up earlier. There is, uh, and um, you know, you were talking about how you uh, used to have, or, or your default mode is to perhaps cut people off and say, hey, I, I know what to say. I know I know how to s to fix this problem, perhaps. But uh, I do want to also say that in seeing you work in the um, in the workshop environment, in the, the seminar environment, what you are exceptionally good at, and I think you will also be, and you are exceptionally good at as a coach, is disrupting the pattern with yeah. people and shifting their paradigm. In, and sometimes it's a very rough uh, it's a very rough thing to do, but you were very elegant and very good at doing it. And Thank you. For, yeah, for, for people who are, are in coaching and advising, um, you know, entrepreneurs who are trying to navigate that field and that, um, that category of, of impact that they want to have, can you speak to the ability to do that in an elegant way so that you can be of service to people? Because yeah. you do want to uh, shake them up in some ways, if, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I, I can speak to it. You know, obviously, that's a learned skill. And the way I learned it is by doing it poorly. Uh, well, and watching other people who did it well, and then developing an approach that is true for me. Uh, I, I think a, a, a quote that's ascribed to Socrates is if you're going to interact with somebody and give them, obviously paraphrasing because he's, he spoke in Greek <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I don't speak Greek and I don't even know if this was true. I'm old, but not quite that old. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's rumored that he said, if you're going to give people feedback, uh, make sure that three things are present before you do. One, that it's accurate. You know, it's not just an opinion. It's accurate, at least as far as you can perceive. Two, make sure you're doing it from a good place. And so for me, that means make sure you're doing it from your heart and you're paying attention to their heart because very few people are walking around saying, disrupt me. Mm -hmm. And then third, make sure it's going to be useful. So I no longer have the desire to tell people how I see it 
unless I sense they're interested in being disrupted. So get people's permission first before you coach them. Uh, once you have their permission, then you can ask them, can I tell you how I see it? Uh, and then the door is open. And then you need skillful means because, again, you know, for some people, there's no such thing as constructive criticism. Any criticism is threatening. And if you activate someone so they're threatened, they're going to not be able to utilize the input you give them. They're going to go into flight, fight, or freeze. So what you watched me in that clinic do is try to give them the information and keep paying that I thought they needed to hear, but keep paying attention to making sure I didn't scare them. What could be some questions that would maybe the wrong term is disarm, but would allow people to feel comfortable in sharing or at, not sharing, hearing from you what it is that you see in them so that they can grow and improve themselves. Because like you yeah. said, the student needs to come to the teacher and say, yeah. show me what's up. What kind yeah. of questions do you use for that? Yeah. So a couple of things. One, you know, with most long-term coaching clients, I have, we, we have a contract that I tell them what to expect, you know, they, and they sign that, yeah, I'm willing to, to live with that. So they expect to hear things that might be uncomfortable. So they've, they've given me permission. Uh, again, I don't coach people on an airplane unless they ask me. So it's not like, oh, golly, I can see how messed up that is. Let me tell them what they should do because that's not my job. You know, so first principle as a coach is don't coach anyone who isn't a request for coaching. Second, even if they're a request for coaching, they may have made that request three months ago or three minutes ago, but forgotten it. So the next question is, are you interested in hearing how I see it? And if they say no, they, you might say, golly, I'm surprised or okay. If you ever want to know how I see it, get, let me know and I'll tell you. So those two questions, you know, are you a request for coaching? B, would you like to know uh, how I see it? And then as, you know, we, I talk about in most short and long-term engagements, I talk about uh, being in the comfort zone, being in the stretch zone, and being in the panic zone. And I remind people that no learning takes place, no real useful learning takes place that's going to have you change your behavior while you're in the comfort zone. So you have to be willing to be a little vulnerable and be in that, uh, that stretch zone. Mm -hmm. And that takes a, a level of maturity and, and willingness to step up to the plate and, and accept that there could be something that uh, somebody could improve on. Yeah. Uh, you know, my dad, God bless him. I mean, his, his view of life, he never had a coach and wasn't interested in a coach. And, 
and didn't want to go to the next level. I remember him saying to me, hey, Alan, my motto is if it's not broken, don't fix it. Now, my motto is keep growing until I take my last breath. Mm -hmm. Very different approach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I did with my dad is I loved him. I didn't coach him. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. I don't want to get into numbers and specifics about it, but it does. It is of uh, very high interest to me and of interest to the people that I know that I'm working with uh, in some of the ventures that I'm a part of. And yeah. that is in how do you quantify your value as a coach for people? That's and I, so good. Yeah. That, I think I'll let you run with it. Yeah. Very good. Uh, sometimes when I'm coaching uh, uh, b b business owners uh, um, or entrepreneurs or people who are selling their service, I said one way to look at what to charge is what you're comfortable asking for. Another way to look at it is what's the value you can the value proposition for your clients. What are they going to get? What's that really worth? And then another way of looking at it is what are other people charging? And are they more experienced or less experienced than you? So those are three things you can look at uh, as you're determining your, what you're going to ask. What, what's the market rate? What are you comfortable asking for? And uh, what's the value that you think you're going to be leaving people with? Mm -hmm. Very good. I, I, I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people who don't, don't know what their, what their value in the marketplace might be, because it can be difficult to, to find that out. You know? I mean, I, I have a colleague who I think charges four times more than I do. Uh, I've listened to their work. I don't think they're four times better. Uh, they're comfortable asking for it. And they're working uh, primarily with uh, senior professionals in a medical field who are making, a mil in, it's in the US, not Canada. So they're making half a million, a million dollars a year. So he's very comfortable asking for that rate. Uh, I've thought about it, but I'm not doing it for the money. So I, I don't really care. But I do have other colleagues in the coaching field who have this belief. I don't know if it's a justification, but they have a belief called you get what you pay for. So the more people are paying you for what you're offering, the more they'll value it. I don't operate from that principle. Mm. As you know, I coach, maybe you don't, I coach some people for free because uh, I'm committed to what they're committed to and they don't have the resources. And I think it's a good use of my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very but, different, very different but, operating principle. One set of people that I'm coaching, I'm sorry, I may be talking too much about this, but <laughs> no, no, that's good. There's one set of people that I'm coaching where they're, they're all friends. And each one of them is paying me a different rate. And they're all getting the same quality. And they all know what each other's paying. And none of them feel like I'm ripping them off 
or they should be paying less. They know that I've tailored my rates to the market that I'm working in and to what people can afford. I'm not advising that to anybody unless you have the same values that I have. Right. And so that's uh, that's a good point to bring up because, you know, uh, Alan is is certainly he's valuing things on what's important to him as opposed to what he thinks other people might think is important. For example, you know, the, the guys that are charging four times as much or they have a specific set rate, right? The, the values that you've determined are important for you to bring to yeah. the table are where you base your rates on. And if I can be just completely vulnerable and transparent, as you know, I like to be, um, starting in January, I've, uh, I'm going to be working for a consulting company. So I'll be shutting down Alan Kahn Consulting, and I'm working for an, a four-year-old consulting company. Yeah, so I'll have certain limitations there. Uh, and the way we worked around it is we'll have apprentice coaches in the company who I'll be coaching. So any client they take on, they're going to charge much less money, and I'll coach them to do, do a good job. So in essence, I'll reach even more people, but not directly. Uh, and that way I can still stay true to my values. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Really, really awesome. I'm, I'm happy yeah. to hear you're, you're doing that. You seem lit up by it, which is, yeah. which is excellent. That, that leads actually into kind of the next question here. And I know sure. we're really focusing a lot on coaching and it was something that uh, I wanted to dig in with you uh, about. And I want to know, why do you keep coaching people? Why do you really like this? Because to coach people is a very difficult thing to do because you're going to come up against a lot of walls, a lot of roadblocks. And, and as much as people say they want to be coached, you still engage in conversations and people, you can keep giving the things that you know are going to work for this person. But at the end of the day, a lot of people don't take what they get and apply it. So, how does that work for you? And, and why do you keep showing up to the bat to, to keep great. trying to hit home runs? You know, you know, uh, I heard someone who was a writer once asked, why do you write so hard? You some of your books don't get published. Some do. And person said, I write because I'm a writer. That's what writers do. <laughs> so um, for me, it's a self-expression and Part of the coaching I give to people in businesses, regardless of the business, is nobody should have a job. Nobody should go to work. And what I mean by that is you ought to be getting paid to be yourself. And that's fulfilling. So people are paying me to be me. But I promise you, if I was an Uber driver, I'd have that set up where people were still paying me to be me because uh, I was a taxi driver and I love driving. <laughs> I love talking to people. So I get paid to be me. You know, uh, if, if I was a male person, I'd, I'd set that up as I'm getting paid to be me. You know, I'm help. Well, male is probably a bad example because <laughs> no one mails anything anymore. Uh, but <laughs> if I was helping people to get their internet back up and working, I'd go, wow, I'm not just a technician. I'm helping people to be in communication, be connected, get the information they want, buy the thing. I'm helping people be connected. 
So I would always see how to alter my relationship to what I'm doing, where it exists for me as I'm getting paid to express myself. That's really unique. If I, I'm going to take a quick moment to uh, uh, explain kind of what I hear about that. Sure. And that's that it's about recognizing that what you do is part of a larger whole. And that, that's a lot of, I think, um, what, Good. what you're based on is, is fitting yourself into, like I said earlier, the interdependent reality and almost removing your own, your own ego and your sense from, from it, from ah, losing my train of thought here, but you're, lo- you, you got it. You remove your independence from it and become part of a larger whole. And in yeah. doing that, you feel of greater service and of greater value, greater contribution yeah. to others. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 we resonate well, Doug, which is um, I'm, I'm thrilled you're interviewing me because, um, you know, I, I, I see you uh, as a colleague on the same journey, a different part of the journey, but we're on the same journey. And I don't know if I shared with you at, you know, a few years, a couple of years ago, I wrote down the six keys to a great and fulfilling life. Okay. Uh, Are we going to get to hear the keys? Yeah, the because you just said it. The first key is locate yourself as part of the whole, all of humanity, including create your unique contribution. So you're part of a whole, and you're you're owning, creating, and then fulfilling your unique contribution, your calling. Two, do your duty, and I put that in quotes. I put fulfill all your obligations responsibly for all the roles you play in life. So if you're a child, you know, have the, uh, do your duty with your parents. If you're a parent, do your duty with your kids. If you're a citizen, do your duty with your country. You know, if you're getting paid to do a job, do your duty. Three, seek to find joy. My own view is life's too short not to enjoy it. So look for joy, no matter what you're doing, look for joy. Fourth, when you can't find joy, be flexible and resilient. Because sometimes you look and it's, you're looking in the wrong place. So you got to be flex. Don't give up, be flexible and resi- resilient and look in another place to find joy. Fifth, deal with life like everything matters. How I'm driving my car matters. I can't just because I'm late drive like a lunatic. There's other people on the road. So deal with things like everything matters. And the sixth one is remember it's a game. We made it up. Don't take yourself too seriously. You know, I meet a lot of many people who are on this growth trajectory, but they're so serious about it. And it's like, oh, my God, they're, they're working on themselves. Uh, again, I think life's too short to spend it working. Let's play. <laughs> this growth trajectory is a game. Uh, and let's play it all, all in, all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are beautiful. I really like that. I think there's two things that I'm picking up on that. Uh, sure. I think the first one is responsibility. 
I think that all those keys uh, elicit in the person who needs to or is implementing them is to be responsible for cool. the quality of their life. That's number one. The second one is awareness. Because yeah. in order to accept responsibility, you first have to become aware of what it is that you should be responsible for. Yeah. I, I yeah. really like those keys. I just want to, yeah. that's what yeah. I was picking up there. That's great. And, and the, you know, you may or may not know, you know, one of the things I do with this awareness business is, you know, I spend time meditating, spend time in mindful activity, spend time asking myself, what am I present to right now? What's going on around me? What are the people around me present to? So being as focused on being aware and present as I am on what I'm doing. So this how I'm doing and what I'm doing. Right. That's a really nice segue. I've, I made a, I made a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask you here and I just kind of, I, I flow with it based on the conversation, but we really Perfect. nicely moved there into a subject that I uh, really want to touch on with you because I know that a while ago you went and did a 10 day silent retreat, a, yes. a 10 day meditation. And, yeah. uh, I've scheduled one for myself. Oh, yeah. you did get it scheduled. I did, Congratulations. yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you. It was actually supposed to be in a couple of weeks' time from, from today. I had to reschedule it to, uh, to September just because there's a lot of things that are going on. I, I need to be a part of it at the moment. But um, it's coming, and uh, I'm really excited about it. And I, I wanted you to share your experience of uh, why you did the 10-day meditation, yeah. what you learned from it, and, and how I think that can be useful, especially for somebody like yourself when you're used to speaking to others, to advising, to coaching, and how shutting things off and getting a little bit of quiet to just listen to yourself can yeah. be really valuable. Well, well you, you, as you, you know, sometimes uh, when you have an electronic uh, uh, piece of equipment that's not functioning, what they say is, well, just turn it off and turn it back on. <laughs> Yeah. Press find get the pin out, press the reset button, hold it for 3 seconds. So having a reset is useful if you want optimum performance. That's number 1. Number 2, I had spent so much of my life talking that I thought it was appropriate to spend a significant chunk of time not talking. So I did three of those 10-day uh, silent retreats. Uh, the first one was in uh, 2014, and then I did another one in 2016, and then one in uh, 2017. So I'm, I'm due for another at some time <laughs> in, the, in, in the next year or so. Uh, and so I did it to simply... Uh, observe my operating system, observe my default ways of being, uh, to be, again, honest. The first one I did, because I had heard about them for years, and I wanted to prove I could do it. So there was some ego involved. The second one I did was just to experience it. I already knew I could do it. Let's just experience it. And then the third one I did uh, with a commitment to see if anything would emerge 
like blind spots, like things I ought to be paying attention to that were outside of my view. And were you able to, through creating those intentions, heading into the different 10 day sessions, get what you were, what you were looking for, I guess, or were you able to fulfill on that? Truthfully, Doug, once you get there, you let go of all that shit. And, (laughs) you know, it's, it's like, it's not like whitewater rafting, but you you might set up a goal for how it's going to be when you go whitewater rafting. And once you hit the first level four rapids, all your plans go out and it's just (laughs) make, make, Make sure you stay in the raft and you don't lose your gear. Right on, right on. Yeah, but there is a a, a reset that did happen all three times. It's number one. Uh, Number two, one of the things that I found that's also good at resetting is flotation tanks. Oh, okay. They're like sensory. Some of them are shaped like pods. Some of them are like rooms. You're, the water is a few inches deep, but it's loaded with Epsom salt. So you're floating and there's no sound. No, it's dark. Some of them you can play music or they like, but I prefer the ones that no sound and you're just suspended for anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. And I found that those, uh, when I walk out of those, I, it feels like I've been meditating for a few hours. Uh, so it has that kind of reset quality to it. Uh, um, and then, you know, you didn't ask this, but I'm going to tell you, you know, in terms of my own self-discovery and finding my blind spots, this year I'm going to go to uh, Peru on uh, coming up soon on June 30th for 10 days and hang out with some shamans and do, you know, five ayahuasca journeys over the course of 10 days. Wow. So um, it'll be quite a different experience than the Vipassana, than the 10 day meditation, but I'm looking, looking forward to, to see what happens after that journey. Yeah, absolutely. That actually, that opens up a couple of different avenues here. Sure. The first, and I, and I think we'll just play on this because you just talked about it is uh, you're, you're going to Peru to yeah. uh, to do uh, to to have an ayahuasca journey, and for those of people yeah. who don't know, it's uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a it's a plant plant based uh, hallucinogen, and yeah, it, it's actually yeah. a combination of a couple of different. They they call it medicine. Yeah, and, and so it can be very uh, very intense, very different. Um, you know, visualizations and, and things that happen. People have very different experiences on it, um, and that's incredibly cool okay and for, and for those who who can't see alan and maybe uh you know uh, whether they can't tell from his voice he's he's definitely older um, I'm, six, I'm 69 he's 69 yeah and so you know at that age um, yes. a lot of people are winding back the gears they're slowing sure. down they're sailing off into the sunset and what i really like about you and uh, yeah. i did want to ask you i wrote down actually is what at this age just keeps you so engaged and so curious at this stage of your life that, that you even think about doing that and uh, are going to make it happen. I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, again, for me, I, since I was 17 or 18, uh, I knew there was no top to the mountain of what's possible for us as human beings. No top. 
It's not like, oh, I achieved my full potential. That's bullshit. You know, people don't have potential. They have unlimited possibilities. And it's just a question of, do you want to get to a place and coast? Or do you want to keep exploring what's possible on this journey called being alive? There's a George Bernard Shaw quote that I'm going to bastardize. Uh, he says, uh, uh, life is no brief candle for, to me. It's a sort of splendid torch that I've got a hold of for the moment. And my job is to make it burn as brightly as possible before passing it on to future generations. You know, I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. Something like that. So that's, uh, he captures my philosophy. We share that philosophy. You know, this is, I'm on a journey. That this is educate, life is about expanding. And to quote one other person who I like to quote, I quoted him earlier, uh, uh, Bob Dylan, uh, uh, one of his songs, he says, he not busy being born is busy dying. So either you're expanding or you're contracting. So I do things that are going to keep me expanding. Yeah. W once I'm dead, I'll, I'll start contracting. <laughs> Perhaps. Not, not losing the humor at all. It's, that's fantastic. You know, uh, we, we've been we've been talking a lot here. Uh, we've moved kind of from coaching into uh, you know your own journey and your philosophy yeah. on things, and and I really hope what's what's showing up for people is is again the 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 willingness to explore yourself and and again ask the tough questions and become aware become responsible and continuing to to keep grow keep expanding. You know, I'm, I keep playing on the the name yeah. of the show, but you know those those key things. I can tell with people like Alan are are so vital to living a fulfilled life. Can yeah. you kind of just comment on that? Well, yes. So you know, I worked in a educate in a, in a phenomenal transformational educational company for thirty two years, and when I left at sixty four, people said, "Oh, you're retiring," and I said, "No, I'm refiring." So, uh, you know, and I've refired several times since when I left in 2014. And again, it's, um, I think one of the keys to staying young, staying vital, staying healthy is doing things that expand you. Uh, not getting someplace and saying, I arrived. So, you know, you, you could say it's very selfish. I do this because of what I get out of it. But the way I get a whole lot is by giving and making myself a more useful uh, resource for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you, you grow so that you can give. You got it. Absolutely. A uh, person who you... One of my colleagues, a man named Anurag Gupta, 
um, he spoke at Rain a couple of times a few years ago. Just real quick uh, for people who don't know, Rain is the is oh the, sorry yeah, yeah. The, the Rain is the the real estate investment network, uh, real estate education company uh, across Canada that yeah. uh, Alan's referring to. Uh, go ahead, great, Alan. Co- great, great company. And so Anurag uh, spoke there a couple of times, and uh, but one of the things he said is, listen, in life. You're either a consumer or you're a creator at every moment. You're either consuming life or you're creating life. And you get to pick. Mm-hmm. Now, and each one produces a different experience and a different result. Yeah, 100%. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to actually switch gears with you. Um, we'll- <laughs> Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna pull a one eighty here, and and uh, I'd I'd like to chat with you about um, relationships, uh, and you've been uh, <laughs> face just completely changed there. It was fantastic. I, I, only because I knew you were gonna say relationships. Oh, well, he's we're, a psychic. We're so connected. I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm thinking your thoughts, and you're thinking mine. Well, there we go. Perfect. Perfect. We're we're in the flow. It's good. Exactly. Um, so when in relationships, and again, because um, as as you alluded to at the start of the show here, you've been you've been married for forty years, uh, uh, humorously to this to the same woman. I don't mean that as a joke, but just the no, no, the, the it funniness wasn't, it wasn't of it meant to be a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know, uh, pe- I know people who've been married for thirty years to five. Women, yeah, yeah, of course. Five men. Yes, of course, of course. And so uh, you know, I, I wanted to take some time to explore with you what makes a quality relationship and yes, how a long-term relationship um, it can really is really a big part of, of course, your life, but can be a part of everybody's life and, and how it's important. Yeah. So first off, I don't think it's important unless people want it. Okay. So, you know, if you want to live a, a, a solo life, that's fine. I, I, I don't think, my own view is we're not preordained to be in a relationship and we're certainly not designed as human beings to live with the same person forever. That's a cultural societal norm and it goes against everything about our own design. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we human beings like variety. (laughs) (laughs) If you tried eating the same meal every single day, every, you know, you get bored. We like adventure. We like variety. So having a relationship last as long as ours lasted is, 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 uh, goes against, I think, human nature. Uh, so you have to be willing to take on your own humanity in order to do it because we're, we're not designed to, to do this. Uh, um, you know, usually for most people, a relationship is most exciting when? At the beginning. Why? Well, that's when the, uh, the sparks fly. There's the, the energy, the excitement of something new. Because it's new and unknown. Mm-hmm. So what makes relationship lose their luster is you start to think, you figured out the other person. Now I know the way they are. I know only talk to them on Tuesdays about this because if I talk to them on Fridays, they'll be too tired. So you start dealing with them like they're a thing with property and they become transactional. 
So I made a promise when I realized if I wanted to stay married to the same woman and be happy, I, I better do some quick rewiring of my approach. Uh, and being an arrogant jerk, uh, you know, I had her, Catherine figure it out by the third or fourth date, or thought I did. But five years, eight years into the relationship, I made a promise to myself and to her to never know who she is. So that every day, it's going to make me cry when I wake up, I have to discover who I'm married to again and not relate to her as the same person who I went to bed with that night, even though she is. We haven't part, we're not in the polyamorous uh, relationship. <laughs> As much as I might be interested in exploring it, that, it's not her gift. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing is be, don't treat the person like they're a thing with properties that you figured out. Treat them like they're, like all of us, they're a mystery. Uh, uh, and you've got to keep discovering who they are. Then the second principle that I've adopted to, to help me be a good partner in, in, in the relationship is I'm a hundred percent responsible for the quality of the relationship. It's not 50, 50. I can't say to her, you're not doing your part. I married her. The vows I gave were for better or for worse, blah, blah, blah. When we got remarried about 18 years in, because the marriage had gotten stale and I had started uh, wandering, uh, wandering eye and other parts, uh, I, we decided we needed to rejuvenate the marriage. So we came up with three vows for this, you know, that's 22 years ago now. And the three vows were one is I promise to love you always. I promise to be, a hundred percent responsible for the quality of our relationship. And then the third one we put in so that we could be in the stretch zone. Uh, I promise to be empowered by however you're being. So I can't go, Oh, you're not empowering me anymore. No, my job is to be empowered. It's not her job to empower me. So that puts all, I like your word from earlier, all the responsibility for the relationship right here, which is where it ought to be. Because mm -hmm. I can do it, something about it when it's with me. Can't do anything about it when it's with her. A couple of more things that I think make it exciting is uh, uh, we both view it as a spiritual path. So we view the marriage as an opportunity for us to grow. I, I, when I coach couples, I say, I want you to imagine you didn't marry your soulmate, your perfect partner. That's a fictitious, a fiction. Who you married is the person who will trigger the lessons that you need to learn for your own growth. They'll trigger the upsets that you need to learn how to transcend so that you can be with them however they are now. Some people might be listening, well, what, what if they're abusive and they're hitting? 
good. Get out. You, 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 no one deserves to be abused, but you know, they keep correcting you to chew with your mouth closed. Okay. They value mouths closed when, when you're eating, you, you were raised in a household where you could talk and your mouth opened. Good. You learn how to be with that so that you're not irritating them all the time when, <laughs> when you're eating. <laughs> so a question I have for you on that is, yeah, I see, and I mean, uh, I've been in situations too where there's, there's one person in the relationship who is willing to... Um, subscribe to everything you just talked about there and take responsibility for the quality of the relationship. How does, if, if somebody wants to elevate their relationship in that way and make it um, something that is beautiful and fulfilling and enjoyable for both people and they're willing to make that happen, how does that person have the conversation with say somebody else who's still living in the old script because that's probably a lot of what you deal yeah. with when you yeah, totally when you counsel couples totally yeah so you, you you can't coach a couple unless they're both open to being coached uh so uh one of the questions i ask people is can you imagine your relationship being better can you imagine and sometimes the answer is no. And then you have to have a good response. Wow. Wow. That's either because you've spent so much time in a relationship that's been unfulfilling that, uh, that uh, you've given up or you just have a lousy imagination. Maybe you ought to do some drugs. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go join Alan for the ayahuasca trip. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the first step for growth is, has to be some level of dissatisfaction, oftentimes with the way it is. And then the second step on the growth journey is some willingness to consider that it could be better. Because if you're dissatisfied, but, but you don't think it could be better, then you're just resigned. And people who are resigned and don't know they're resigned, they just think they know the way it is. Those folks don't show up looking for a coach. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good points. And uh, another, uh, if I can continue to dig in no, on no, this, is because uh, a lot of people, uh, just about everybody in our generation is now involved, when I say our generation, you know, the, the late 20s, early 20s, sure. is uh, we're dealing with the, the rise of the online world, the cell phone world, and the quick fixes, the next person um, with the dating swipe apps. Left, yeah. right. and, and, you know, it... Can you talk about when you make the decision or, or even getting to the point where you make the decision to commit to learning about somebody and, and unraveling the mystery, kind of as you had alluded yeah. to earlier, how do people shift now from this focus of the next, the next thing to really developing something deeper? Because yeah. we're, we're losing that ability to, or the, the desire even to... I Seek the, the next level. Yeah. 
and yeah, and desire. it's it's really it's unfortunate to see in, in a lot of relationships um uh, people not getting past the surface. Yeah. So I'm wondering what you could say on, on that for for people again, in my age group. Yeah. Again, I I don't coach people who aren't interested in being coached. So if what someone's you said it earlier when 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 the student is ready, the teacher appears. So I wouldn't try coaching anyone out of a particular approach to life that they currently are engaged with unless they're dissatisfied with it. So if someone is liking short-term, you know, serial monogamy or, you know, dating and never committing, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as they're fulfilling what's important to them. You know, uh, 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 I, I can quote diff many different scriptures, whether from different religions. So this one's from the Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, there's a book called Ecclesiastes in, in the Bible. And the line, it was turned into a, a song by the birds and then uh, to everything turn, turn. There is a season, turn, 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 and a time for every purpose. You know, a time for reaping, a time for sowing, a time for being born, a time for dying. So if somebody's in their dating time, <laughs> that's where they are. What, you know, I'm not preaching that they shouldn't be there. But if someone's dissatisfied with that, then, then we can start a conversation. I understand. It makes sense. And, and that kind of ties in, actually, I'll tie it back into a, a previous episode that I had um, with a fellow named Parker. We were talking about the the seasons of life and how, yeah. you know, you move through fall and, you know, you fall to winter. Winter's kind of your recovery and your celebration stage. And then you move into the, uh, well, not celebration, your recovery, your rest and recovery. Spring is when you plant the seeds. Summer is when you go uh, hard and you're tilling the soil and you're working at it. And fall is when you when you reap the rewards. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you know, that that can be applied to everything in, in life, different, yeah. different facets and, and, and different areas. Yeah, there, there's why I'm taking that job with that consulting company uh, in January is I what emerged over the last two years is a theme uh, that I'm following for my life right now, which is to give away to the next generation of coaches and consultants, everything that I've had the good fortune of acquiring. So it doesn't live in me. It lives out there in the world and people can take it to the next level. So this coach, this company is, you know, I'm the oldest person there. So they're hiring me for wisdom and I can then give this, impart this to a whole group of people. So not that they're going to be like me, but whatever I've learned that's useful, they can get without having to spend 30 years, 40 years bumping heads against walls to get it, and then they can take it. And that's just one of the themes that's there right now is give it away, give it away, give it away. Yeah. It sounds like a uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers song. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, uh your legacy you could you yeah, could say in, exactly. in some ways 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. We've we've got only a little. We've got a little bit of time left here, sure. and uh, I know you've got another uh, event to head to here shortly. We'll, yeah. so we'll, we'll kind of switch gears back, and sure. and uh, and I want to talk with you actually about how you you work with a lot of really high performing individuals. Yes. Which says to me, and I know this to be true based on who you are, that you are yourself a high performing individual. Okay. Now. Tell me, though, when you're working with somebody who's a multimillionaire, a, a billionaire, somebody with a tremendous amount of power and reach and, and um, you know, fame, if you want to call it that, how do you, again, position yourself as somebody that can be of value for that person and see something that they're not seeing to the point where they're engaging with you in the types of conversation that you want to have? It's so good. I love your questions. You're really good at this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And, yeah. and you know, uh, just real quick before we get into that, um, uh, there's a saying, and I think it was came from maybe Tony Robbins that I heard first, and that's uh, the quality of your questions is is going to determine the quality of your life. And that's so great. when I prepare for these and when I have people on, I want to make sure that my questions elicit in them a quality answer so that we can get past the the social masks per se and get down to to what really matters. So uh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I echo what Tony's saying. Uh, good questions are much better than good answers. <laughs> and yeah. you yourself, uh, of course, ask very good questions. Good, so. good. Thank you. So what, what uh, there's a, a fallacy in, in um, your question. So I don't go after people. People come to me for coaching. I don't advertise. I don't recruit. It's all word of mouth or uh, working for a company that has a client and they think I should be the one working with them. So when I start with somebody, regardless of what they've accomplished or they haven't, they're already a request for coaching and they have some sense that I have something to offer. So there is no convincing. Uh, And when I have an exploratory conversation with people, we explore, I tell them what I, how I work. They tell me what they're looking for. And then we both look together to see if it's a fit. So I'm not intimidated by anybody's accomplishments. Uh, Not so I can talk to, you know, uh, people at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you know, the same way I, I, I can talk to, you know, a 17-year-old a, a who's the son of a client that I'm working with who thinks I have something to offer them because of some challenges they have. And we're all, we're all bozos on this bus, to, to quote uh, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you could quote yourself. It's it's okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. So I I consider that what we have in common is much more is much greater than what differentiates us. And because what we have in common is we all have default operating systems, with which if we don't watch out, they're going to determine our lives. Mm-hmm. That's great. 
you know, I, I think at this point, I'm, you know, I really en- enjoying this conversation. Uh, it's, it's such a pleasure to have you on. I'm, I'm, great. Again, was really excited to to bring you on. I've had it in the calendar for a while. I'm like, oh, great. Like, this is going to be awesome. So me, me, I, I had it in my calendar too for the same amount of time. No great. way. That's crazy. How did that happen? <laughs> you, you, you sent me the invite and I accepted it. You did. Yeah. And I, I was pleasantly and, and surprised. Then, and then you even let me modify it. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I want to offer, you know, uh, I'll say it here. Sure. You know, if you find this useful, if you think that there's more, we'll schedule another one. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't have to handle the whole world in in an hour and a half. Oh, yes, it'd be, it'd be very difficult to do that. <laughs> I, I've got uh, three questions left. Sure. And, and three questions that I'm asking I'm everybody who comes on the show. And we've certainly touched on some of these items already. Um, the first being, what are you looking to do personally, professionally in the next three to six months to grow yourself? So we know about the ayahuasca journey. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I came up with at the beginning of the year, um, three focuses, foci for the year. So one is I'm focused on being present. You know, there's no top to that mountain. Being present, being reliable for being present Two, I'm focused on self-discovery, continuing to explore what I don't know and what I don't know that I don't know. And then three is the real challenging one for me, which is to have there be zero space between my intention with people and the impact I'm having. So I don't want to have to say to people at the end of a conversation, oh, I didn't mean for you to take it that way. I want to have the intention in a conversation be fulfilled so that there's no gap between my intention and the impact I'm having. And that's keeping me busy. Yeah, that's a, that's a never-ending challenge. I, 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 again, that's a mountain with no top. Yes. Yeah. That's great. And, and, and actually, before I get to the, the, the next question is, sure. uh, you mentioned this actually on, a, on another podcast that uh, I had listened to with you, and that was about having a direction and yeah. how you never, if you're aiming to go north, you never end up at north. That's just your direction. And the only thing that you can do is try and line yourself up as best as possible to continue to go north. Yeah, I've I've talked about that with a couple of people, uh, and I stopped using north. I now use east because you know eventually after you've gone north, you start going south. But going, <laughs> you, you, you never run out of east. Logistics, yeah? good. Yeah, very exactly. good. Very good. Exactly. Yeah. So um, some people like goals. Some people like directions and intentions. I like intentions and directions because I know if I keep going in the right direction, I'm going to hit all the goals that I have. Uh, And so I get inspired by living consistent with an intention rather than what goal are you going to have in the next three weeks, seven months, whatever. Now, other people are really, they need a goal to motivate them. 
So they should have them. Whatever's going to get you taking the right actions, that's what you should have. And it's not one size fits all. Very good. I like that. The second question that I have for you, and again, we play on the the title of the podcast here, is what are you doing to give your gifts in the world? I'm asking myself the question, how can I be useful? Good. Good question. Very good question. The last one here, and I think you, you have touched on this in, your, in terms of your legacy, is how do you see yourself continuing to expand your reach, your presence, your practice yeah. in the world as you continue to move on yeah. to the next venture? I've thought a lot about that. And sometimes I wonder if I'm playing safe by not creating these big goals and reaching thousands of people. And what's come to me is my approach is do really, really well what's in front of you. And the next things will open up just naturally. I don't have to go for how am I going to get reach more people if I do really well and be open to what, you know, the next place where I can make a difference. Yeah. And I had the opportunity, some a colleague of mine is starting a training development company and uh, he, it's probably going to be really successful. He said, you know what? I'd be one of the founders and leaders. And I said, you know, that might get me a whole different audience. That's not what I want to do right now. What I'll do is I'll coach you, help you design programs, coach you and how to lead them. But what I want to do is give away what I've gotten and get it. So there's a lot of uh, folks out there. Uh, who are are doing similar work and and uh, are benefiting from what I've had the privilege of learning. Awesome, that's fantastic, Alan. I, I really appreciate your your genuineness, your your openness to share with us exactly what it is that that is uh, guiding you in the future here. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and and you know I've got uh, what I, I've got at least three or four more minutes if you got some easy questions. <laughs> nope, nope, no easy questions. Well, I could, I could say, uh, oh, you well, know. Well, sorry, questions that don't require a long answer. A long answer. Oh, geez, I don't do that. I don't do. Right. I don't do small talk. <laughs> uh, okay. How about this? How about this? What is your? Because you're you're American. You're from Queens, yeah. New York. What? Yep. Born, what in, born in New York. Yep. Yeah. What? What's your favorite Canadian city when you come to visit us? Oh, I can't answer that question. Oh, see, it's a long answer, even that one. I tried. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, there, there's, uh, since I'm, I'm, six, I'm 60s, you know, I was at Woodstock, so I'm all acquainted with the 60s rock and roll band, you know, uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. So I make a point of loving whatever city I wind up in. And you know, I, I've watched Toronto grow and develop and, you know, and all the different cultures that are there. I love Montreal because you feel like you're really in a foreign country uh, uh, other than the rest of Canada. I love the Quebecois. Uh, I love Quebec City because uh, it's even further in that direction. Uh, um, I just first time was in Edmonton and uh, enjoyed myself there enormously I like Victoria a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Nice you know, place. How, how can you beat Vancouver? So uh, there, there are some places I haven't been. I haven't been to Medicine Hat. 
I haven't been to Peace River, right. you know, so there, there are, I haven't been to Saskatchewan, you know, so there's right. places I haven't been that I'm sure I'll like to. Absolutely. Well, Alan, uh, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I'm really grateful, really, really happy that you were able to carve out some time for, right. for me and the listeners here. And uh, right. I'm sure there, there will be people who maybe have questions and, and they can send them in. And, and uh, Alan, if there's any way that, uh, if it's okay with you, if there was a way that people could get in touch with you, um, absolutely. how, yeah, how you can they go about doing that? You know, they can reach me at alan at alancon.com. So that's A-L-A-N at A-L-A-N-C-A-H-N dot com. Awesome. And we'll, we'll put that in the show notes for you there. Alan, thank you once again for coming on to the Grow, Give, Expand My podcast. Pleasure. It's been My fantastic. Pleasure. Thank you for All being right. here. Ciao. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. And therein ends the listen. Thank you once again to my guest, Alan Kahn, for stepping onto the show. If you want to get in touch with Alan, there is a little bit of a change in the contact information that was provided. The email that you can reach out to Alan at is alankahn at gmail.com. That's A-L-A-N-C-A-H-N at gmail.com. You can also find out a little bit more about Alan by visiting his profiles online at the Henley Leadership Group and as a part of the Granger Network. Simply search Alan Kahn on Google or your favorite search engine and you'll be able to find the links to those sites. As we wrap up another edition of the show, I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you who takes the time to listen to these episodes, applies what you're learning, and uses it to improve the quality of your life. This is the Grow, Give, Expand podcast, and I'm your host, Doug Myers. And until next time, keep growing, giving, and expanding.